Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms, and The Four-Hour School Day, how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. You can find all of those books on Amazon. You can find them at my website, dorandawilson.com. In The Four-Hour School Day, you can find at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the two places that I mentioned. Um, I always love to share great resources, and Homeschooling Today is my favorite homeschooling magazine for many, many reasons. I'd love for you to listen in and find out a little bit more about Homeschooling Today. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that he leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. So last summer, I read a book called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. So I had read another book by this author called Humble Roots, which I um, actually had her on with me in the last podcast to talk about. And if you haven't listened to it, I would highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. But I love her writing style and specifically her solid doctrine. Um, And and those aren't the only things that I loved about this book, but the thought of dialing in on discernment, that word really caught my eye, Um, especially with all that's going on in the world around us. um, I was 100% dialed in on this whole idea of discernment because honestly, I don't know about you, but I feel like we need more discernment than ever. And maybe that's a stretch. Maybe I'm being dramatic. I don't know. I just know that I personally have been feeling that need um, you know, and I think especially as moms, you know, we're raising the next generation of image bearers and instilling values into our kids that they'll carry with them for the rest of their lives. And we want those values to be solidly rooted in biblical truth and for our kids to not only be well-versed in them, but also able to meaningfully apply them. But where do we start? What is discernment really? How do we walk out a life that practices discernment? How can wisdom change a person's life and the lives of those around them? So we're going to be talking about discernment today. I've invited Hannah Anderson back on to the podcast, and I'm so thankful that she said yes. Um, So I'm going to give you just a little bit of background on her. Um, She is the author of the book we're talking about today, All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. Um, This particular book invites readers into the process of valuing, seeking, and acquiring wisdom. 
without recognizing this gift, not only does someone have little chance of finding the security and happiness they want, but even more importantly, they deny themselves from participating in a humble and transformative process. And one of the quotes that I love that Hannah says um, is, discernment does not change the challenges we face so much as it changes our ability to face them. So I'm really excited that Hannah's here today. And uh, I said I was going to give a little bit of her background. Instead, I gave you a little description of the book, but that's okay. Here's a little bit of her background. She lives in the haunting Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia. She spends her days working beside her husband in rural ministry, caring for their three children and scratching out odd moments to write. I know what that's like. In those in-between moments, she contributes to a variety of Christian publications. She's also She also co-hosts Christ in the Pop Culture Podcast Persuasion. She's the author of uh, Made for More, Humble Roots, and the book I mentioned today, which is All That's Good. Um, so Hannah, thank you for being here with us today. Well, Dorinda, I am so glad to be back with you and to really continue the conversation we started last time. Yeah, there really is a huge connection here, and and I love that. Um, So I'd love for you to start by clarifying what discernment is and what it is not, and then what some of the obstacles that people encounter when they want to commit to developing wisdom but seem stuck. Mm. So this book came after the previous book that we talked about, which was Mm -hmm. Roots, because one of the chapters in Humble Roots was um, Humility of Mind. It was about how we would be humble in our thought process and as we approach things. And that kind of just stuck with me, particularly given the environment that we live in that you alluded to. And I completely agree with you that I don't think we're any more gullible than any other people in history, but we live in a moment Mm -hmm. asking us to be more discerning just by the sheer amount of information that we're Mm -hmm. encountering. So we live in this moment that it's really important that we're able to navigate well, to navigate, um, make choices well. And that starts with humility, but it begins when we recognize that we don't know how to make choices well. (laughs) Right, right. discernment actually starts when we have this moment of, oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And when we humble ourselves and we come to the one who is the source of wisdom, and that's what James Mm. talks about, you know, the invitation that if we ask of God, he will give freely to all who seek wisdom from him. And so when I began thinking along these lines and I was moving toward this conversation, I would tell folks, oh, yeah, I think God's calling me to write on discernment. And it was fascinating how many different responses we would get. Sometimes I would have people say, oh, that's great because sometimes I have this feeling inside of me and I'd really like to know what to do with it. And Mm. some people would say, oh yes, we lack discernment. There are so many people who are wrong about so many things. And what I realized is that we were all using this word, but we meant very different things by it. And so one of the first things I had to do in this study and in this process is say, what does the scripture mean when it uses the language of discernment or discerning something? And so I went back to the text and there are several different passages that, that use this concept of becoming wise or being able to discern something. And ultimately, when you sift through them, the the 
vision that's presented by scripture is the ability to know the difference between what is good and what is not good so that you can pursue the good. So it's not just this ability to kind of sort things into good and bad or to sort people into good and bad camps. It's the ability to recognize goodness, those things in this life that reflect the character and nature of God, and then to be able to pursue them and to take them into our lives and be changed by them. And that for me was a very different way of understanding discernment, because I think I may have had an experience of the term that a lot of folks had, which was maybe just more that analytical sense of right. stay away from these bad things. You're a discerning person if you can identify all that's wrong in the world. And this was really an invitation from Scripture, particularly Romans 12, if you remember the first part of that chapter, Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Um, The Apostle Paul calls us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And then he goes on to say, so that you may prove or discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the end goal is to be able to know and discern what is goodness. And so that really kind of turned things inside out for me. It helped me um, begin this process of unpacking, learning how to be a discerning person um, from where the scripture began with it, not just where I brought my assumptions to it. And ultimately, the book kind of landed in Philippians 4, um, verses 8 and 9, that invitation that we would pursue those things that are true and lovely and pure and of good report. Mm. I love that. I'm just looking through my book right now and all the little notes that I have in here. Um, I read it last summer and I was at the beach and I just kept reading sections of it to my husband. And and that, what actually stuck with me, um, that, you know how you walk away from a book and we can't remember everything yeah. we read in the book, right? So, but if we can walk away with one or two things that we hang on to, it can make such a difference. And it really was that definition of discernment, the ability to know the difference from what is good and what is not, but not just that, to pursue the good. You know, the intention is to pursue the good, you know, not just understand what is good and what is not, but to actually mm-hmm. pursue what's good. And so, you know, sometimes my prayer will be just, you know, Lord, lead me, Holy Spirit, to what is good today. Lead me mm-hmm. to goodness, you know, that in in other words, give me discernment because I tend to, you know, I tended to think of that word, like you mentioned, where you're just, it's just a matter of being able to separate. Okay. You know, or almost organized. This is in the, this goes in the bad category. This goes in the good category. And then that's it. But the idea of, of being able to discern what's good and then to, to walk in it, to pursue it, um, was just such a, such a new and fresh way of looking at it. So, um, how do fear and pride hinder our ability to experience God's goodness for us? Well, I think it goes back again to this question of humbling ourselves at the beginning of the process and saying, you know what, maybe I don't know as much as I think I know. Mm. And the, the horrible good thing about pride and humility is that if we're acting in pride, it's going to eventually trip us up. Mm-hmm. going to fall on our faces one way or another. And it's a much better thing to humble ourselves before we fall on our faces. Right. But the the point is that we would come to a place where we recognize God is God. I'm not God. My mind is limited. 
I need the mind of Christ. I need my mind to be transformed. Again, that's the language of Romans 12, that our, our minds would be transformed. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to happen just by me sitting around thinking through things. It's also not going to happen by me just staying away from bad things and kind of isolating myself in my safe place. But it will happen if I actively seek after God and I Mm -hmm. actively go to him and his word and I put myself in a place to be transformed. And Mm -hmm. part of that transforming process is the pursuit of those things that reflect his character. And, and I ultimately see discernment as a hopeful exercise because right. what we're saying is that goodness still exists. This world is a broken, messy place, but because God made it and because he is still powerful and he is still on the throne, there is still goodness to be found. And part of the kind of search and rescue operation that we're in is seeking out where he is at a work and then aligning ourselves with him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. So kind of just that having discernment in being able to see where God is working mm-hmm. and then to engage in that with him. And that can look so many different ways, you know, in our everyday life. It can be, it can be, you know, it can involve our kids. It can involve our marriage. It can involve our neighbor or, you know, the, the cashier at the grocery store. Um, and I remember thinking, having that same um, sort of idea when our kids were young, uh, I was like, Lord, I don't know. I don't know everything these kids need to know. Um, I don't know how to prepare them for whatever job they're going to do because I don't know what job they're going to do. And so it was this whole idea of, okay, just watch and see if you, when you start to see God working, you know, in a certain situation with your kids, then just engage in that, you know, um, an example of that for like a homeschooling mom would be, you know, we're moving along, we're doing our, our things, um, you know, we're going through, you know, we're doing math or whatever, and and something comes up or a, a, a fight breaks out amongst a couple of the kids. And sometimes that is a call to, okay, God wants to do something in this situation with my children and with their relationship and with this specific situation. And so, again, taking that pause that you mentioned in um, the last podcast, which is that pause is a way uh, to humble ourselves. Mm. You know, just stopping doesn't automatically make us humble, but it, it can be an act of humility where we— And it's yeah. an act that is not encouraged in the right. moment in our culture. Right. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that we train ourselves in this discernment process is stopping long enough not to have an immediate reaction or immediate mm-hmm. response. Because if you're online, you know— that what is rewarded is that kind of gut response or that knee-jerk comment. Mm-hmm. What humility calls us to is it says, all right, stop. We may not know what to do here, mm-hmm. but we know the one who does. Mm-hmm. So we're going to stop long enough not to act out of our own strength, not to act out of pride. We're going to humble ourselves before the Lord And we're going to ask for wisdom. And this is exactly what Proverbs is saying, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm -hmm. It is that posture of reverence and knowing he is God. We're not God. 
mm-hmm. puts you in a place to even seek his mind about something. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, when we're operating out of self-dependence and pride, we think we already know what to do. And people who think they already know what to do aren't going to ever be able to learn anything or to be guided by God simply mm-hmm. because we didn't stop long enough to right. what he would have of us. That's right. I love that. And this is something that I've been I've been talking about for, for years with moms is that uh, my, my focus is really a, a simple, unhurried approach when it comes to our, you know, homeschooling, but also just life in general. And um, in life, I mean, life just isn't always simple, but sometimes God is calling us to something simpler because uh, we, I just know for myself, I tend to complicate things and, and take on more than I should. And so that's sort of been a recurring theme that, and lesson that the Lord has been teaching me, but also that, that slowing down, that unhurried, like, and what I mean by that unhurried hurried is just what you were describing just just now, just that pause, just stop, and we're going to recognize that He is God and we are not. And I remember, you know, sometimes just, you know, eight kids, 13 and under, you know, they chaos sometimes would just break out. Everything would just be going along so peacefully. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, what just happened here? And I wouldn't know what to do. And so my one of my go-tos was this I would just say, okay, everybody in the kitchen right now, come on in here right now. And we would just go and get in this circle. Okay, everybody, we're gonna we're gonna bow our heads and pray. Mm-hmm. And that was my way of pausing everybody, <laughs> including myself. And in in that's what I've learned is that as I did that, I was showing my kids that I didn't know everything mm-hmm. and that I needed God to come in and that he wanted to come into the chaos and the mess and bring order. And but all he all I needed to do was ask. We just needed to ask. And so, um, again, that can be such a powerful testimony to our kids in just the simplest everyday situations. It is very easy for us to confuse the smartest or the most analytical person in the room with the most discerning person. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Mm. Son who is humbled before the Lord and is seeking his wisdom is more likely to find it and to be led into paths of goodness than the person who just is a, a really good critical thinker. Now, I love critical thinking skills. And, you know, in my family with my teenagers, we have a lot of back and forth and it almost becomes this, you know, fun game we play about talking through issues or thinking about things from, a, um, you know, an analytical or critical thinking skills perspective. But at the end of the day, that's not discernment. That's mm-hmm. not wisdom because we could be the smartest people, um, you know, just naturally talented and not be dependent on God for wisdom at all. Mm-hmm. And that difference when we start to think about how the scripture is teaching us to pursue goodness, to pursue discernment, it begins by that posture of humility, the fear of the Lord. Romans 12 says that you're offering yourself up to him. It's that submission to his omniscience and to his power that is so much larger than our capacity to find answers to the questions that we have. Mm, And that actually beautifully ties into the next question of why can't discernment be separated from virtue? Um, In other words, why does making good choices go hand in hand with becoming good people? And how do we see this reflected in our culture today? Right, and it's just this tension of the fact that our choices are a manifestation of our character and who we are. 
We, mm. we get this backwards so often. We think if I choose the right thing, I will become the right person. And so mm. we get very, very focused on identifying the right place, the right space, the right books, the right team, whatever is quote unquote right. And then we think, well, if I do those things and if I keep in those spaces, then I will become a, a good or a right person. When really what the scripture is teaching and what the gospel is inviting us into is the transformation of being made like Christ and that our minds would be transformed to his. And out of that, having the mind of Christ, we would then naturally begin to make the kinds of choices that he would make. And so when we talk about discernment, we're not talking about being a highly analytical person or being a really smart person. We're talking about being a person whose mind has been shaped by the scripture and by Jesus Christ. And part of that shaping is pursuing those things that look like him, those things that are true, those things that are pure, lovely, and just, and of a good report. Because when we encounter those things, if we're, tr- if we're honestly seeking true things, not mm-hmm. only are we going to test the thing that's out there to see whether it's true, but we are also going to be tested. Our motives are going to be tested and brought under the light. Are we being truthful with this um, argument? Are we trying to twist things? Are we being pure? Do we have mixed motives? And suddenly what's happening in this process is I'm not just testing that thing out there, but I'm testing myself, Mm -hmm. my motives. And they're coming under the light of God's character and his word to be refined and made like his son. Mm. Mm. I love that. So tell us a little bit about how, how you see that reflected in our culture. And um, you were saying choices, I, I couldn't write quite fast enough. You said choices are a manifestation of. Right. We think that if I make certain choices, that makes me a good person. It right. This right. within the church, but you also see it in secular society that there's a whole list of words that you have to use. There's a whole list of positions mm-hmm, that you mm-hmm. must hold. And if you hold these positions and you are on this side of the issue, you're a good person. Mm. The messaging right, of, right. of our society right now. And it's antithetical to what we see in the gospel, which says we are not in and of ourselves good people. We are made good by an encounter with God. Mm-hmm. You're made good by being joined and unified with Christ. And that, that union with him is transforming us. And then out of that transformation, out of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, we would then make choices. So what we're getting at is being becoming certain people who then act in right ways, not mm-hmm. just counting on these right choices to make us certain people. Right. And it's a, it's a harder thing to become the people mm-hmm. to make certain choices. Um, but what we find is it's this call back to the one who is true, the one who is just, the one who is pure and lovely and goodness himself. Because as we come back to him, we're encountering him and it's changing us, it's correcting us, it's caring for us, and it's making us more like himself. Mm, mm, 
I love that. I love that. So there are ways that God walks with us. So what are the ways that God walks with us ensuring that all things, even our mistakes, Mm. um, eventually work together for good? And then um, I'd love for you to share your personal experience, what this has actually looked like for you. Yeah, one of the things about discernment and about the Christian life in general is it's something that you don't get to, that it must be lived out, right? It's not theoretical. So we can talk about discernment all we want. We can read books. We can think about it. And at the end of the day, you have to practice it. You Mm -hmm. have to go back to your life. You have to make choices. You have to wrestle with something and come to a conclusion. And that can be really, really scary because what if you get it wrong? What if you don't pursue goodness the way you should? What if you actually choose something that's bad? What are the ramifications on your family and your kids if you make the wrong choice? And and we get ourselves kind of hyped up in this space of, okay, I want to do right. I want to make the right choice. I'm, I'm asking God for wisdom, but I still might get it wrong. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, yes, you it's more than you might, you will. <laughs> there will be things that you get wrong. And we know that because that's what the gospel tells us. Right. It tells us that we're going to get wrong. But it also tells us that God is there with us, walking with us, and there is grace. Mm. The grace that we find in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to carry us through Even the things that we get wrong, his grace and his redemption is so large and so powerful that it brings resurrection from death, even Mm. if we cause the death. So, Mm. you know, and speaking metaphorically there, of course, but the nature of God is to bring life from death. And so Mm -hmm. as we're moving into this practice of discernment, it can be very intimidating because we do want to get right. But I think one of the first things that humility teaches us is we're going to get it wrong. Right. (laughs) We just have to know that's going to happen. Also know that it never relied on our getting it right in the first place. That's right. That's right. And what a relief. What, how freeing is that? You know, um, I'm listening to you, um, as you're talking about this grace and ha- and I'm thinking about how incredibly important it is, I know for me, to revisit that every single morning. And one of the ways that I do that is is confession. You know, mm-hmm. um, we don't always remember every single wrong thing we did, but I can usually remember at least a few. And in that process, you know, just praying also the prayer of David who said, you know, um, forgive my hidden faults and keep me also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. And one of the elders in our church who was given a message, he said, um, when we confess our sins, we are also confessing our victory. Mm-hmm. And when we confess our sins, we are confessing that Jesus Christ is truly Lord over everything. And and that to me just goes back to that that big grace that you just you just described. And so even in our mistakes and our confession, we can walk away with a, a heart of gratitude for that grace because it's taken care of all of that. <laughs> right. And and we don't want to say that the mistakes and the failures aren't a problem. Like Right. There there are natural consequences to our choice. Absolutely. Sometimes we'll end up in spaces that we 
created for ourselves that right. if we had a chance to do it again, we wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. But it's to say that God is bigger and his power and his grace are greater than anything we can do. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's just that reminder that God is God and and mm-hmm. his redemption is always going to be larger than our failures. Right. So it saves us from that condemnation. Yes. Really. Because, mm-hmm. yes, we do often put ourselves, in, end up in pickles, you know, over committing and then realizing, you know, um, how, how am I either going to graciously back out of this or go ahead and finish this out, even though there's going to be a cost to it. And, yes. and hopefully walking away from it wiser and more discerning mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, more humble, saying, okay, Lord, next time somebody says, hey, could you do this? Because um, I think that's one huge temptation of moms is just overcommitting and wanting to say yes, um, that we sometimes don't stop and say, Lord, is this what you want? Is this a good thing? Absolutely. And, you know, there's that verse that says the righteous man keeps his word to his own hurt. And sometimes it hurts. Sometimes Mm-hmm, you make the mm-hmm. commitment and you realize, oh, that is not a wise choice, but I'm going to go through. And even in those moments, I find myself praying for extra grace and humbly confessing mm-hmm. and saying, you know, this probably wasn't wise, but God is still going to show up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in this moment because I'm coming to him in dependence and in need. And he never turns away those who come that way. That's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. I have, um, now we're actually at the last question and I want to ask, what does it mean to reflect God's glory within human limits? You know, I think this goes back to both what we talked about in um, Humble Roots, this conversation that we are image bearers to reflect the glory of God, but we are not God. Mm -hmm. So we are not being called to act as God, right. you're being called to live out in the limited spaces with the limited knowledge, with the limited energy and capacity that we have insofar as he enables us to reflect his goodness, his love, his truth, his justice, to reflect his character um, to those that we live with. And one of the ways I think about this um, very practically within our family, when questions come up that we have to process, um, you know, when we're discerning something, is we have very open conversations with our children and help them begin to enter into this process with us insofar as it, you know, is age appropriate. Right, right. To bring them in and say, we have this dilemma or we have this question. Mm-hmm. How does God's character inform this? Mm. We know about truth? What do we know about his love? What do we know about his justice? Because that's what we're called to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of times we talk about, well, we're Christians and therefore this is the way who we are to take a stand. And yes, but more often we're being called to reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means to be the little Christ. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. to reflect his goodness, his glory, to insofar as the Holy Spirit is empowering and enabling that we would live in the truth and the reality of who he is. Right. And so we're doing this as I'm 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 actually looking back at Humble Roots because um I remember there was one little section that I just read the other day and you it ties in beautifully with what you're saying. Um 
it said, uh, we are not called to embody Jesus ourselves. He has already been incarnated and is still even now. No, we are not called to be Jesus. We are called to fall at his feet and worship him. We are called to affirm that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it is through this worship, through recognizing his rightful place, that we are finally humbled. And I think that just describes perfectly what you were, uh, what were, what you were just saying. Um, so good. So good. Oh man. I, I, I think I'm going to have to re-listen to these several times and, (laughs) but I so appreciate you being here with us today. And, um, before we close and you share ways to connect, which we will put in the podcast notes, mom, I just, I want to read a quote um, from your book. That's actually a quote from someone else. Um, it's from um, it's by Jen Wilkin, who wrote a book called None Like Him. And I think this helps, um, just kind of brings all of this into a, sort of a beautiful closure, this whole po- podcast episode. It says, We must recover the truth that was obscured by the serpent. Rather than being like God in his unlimited divinity, we are to be like God in our limited humanity. We are limited by design in order that our limits might point us to worship our limitless God. When I reach the limit of my strength, I worship the one whose strength never flags. When I reach the limit of my reason, I worship the one whose reason is beyond searching out. I just love that. I love that. I actually had written that down in a couple of places since I ran across it the other day, but I love that because it it allows us to to just be human and to realize mm. that it's okay that we're just human and it is a wonderful thing that he is God and we are not. Amen. <laughs> all right. So if you could share with listeners um, real quickly ways to connect. And again, moms will have all these links in the show notes. Um, so yeah, go ahead and share that, yeah, Hannah, so and how to find your books. I have a blog, sometimesalight.com. That's all one word, sometimes the light. And you can find a lot of links to where I am on social media. I'm on Twitter at Sometimes a Light. I'm on Instagram, um, Hannah Anderson, and Facebook, Anderson. And um, my books are available on Amazon, but they're also um, at, you know, any major bookseller um, online. So great. We'd love to connect with folks. Yeah. And I encourage you moms, definitely go check out her book. I think you will... Um, you'll, you'll just, you'll devour them like I did (laughs) and more than once. (laughs) All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time today. Lord, we thank you, um, that you have, we live in this very messy, uh, very sinful world, but we don't live without hope. And, um, part of that hope, a facet of that hope is the ability to have discernment that those who don't know you don't have. And so, um, God, it is our prayer. It is our prayer that you would um, help us to uh, say yes to the invitation of practicing and walking in and learning discernment, Lord. It's it's something that... Um, it starts with humility. So Lord, we do, we humble ourselves before you. We ask that you would give us discernment, that you would give us wisdom as wives and as moms and as homeschooling moms. And we thank you that you promised in your word that you would give wisdom generously when we ask, but we have to believe and not doubt. So that means we're walking before you continually acknowledging again that you are God and we are not. And then as we do that, Lord, we know you pour out your grace on us and you generously pour out your wisdom 
And so I pray that for all of us today. We thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.